the Art of Leadership Network. I'm going to tell that planter, I would be looking for the places where there's new development, suburb that's booming, or if it's a city, it's a neighborhood that is in transition. There's older residents moving out, newer residents moving in, because you just, for purely sociological reasons, you have more receptivity in those places. Well, what is up, Church Plant family? Welcome, welcome, welcome to The Unfair Advantage, where we are helping planters go further, faster. And we have a great opportunity today to learn from one of my good friends, one of the best leaders that I know. I love Brent Storms. Uh, he is the leader of Orchard Group, and so I'll let him kind of introduce himself and explain it. But uh, he's a phenomenal leader, so buckle up, get ready as we talk about helping planters figure out the where of church planting. So Brent, take it away. Well, I'm glad to be here. Um, Obviously, Mike, you're a good friend, and so it's fun to join you uh, this way. But we also get to collaborate a lot together in church planting. Uh, so happy to have this conversation today. Uh, I started out as a church planter uh, back in 1999 in the Boston area. And I had help from Orchard Group at that time, which I desperately needed. I was young and naive and uh, didn't know what I was doing. So I was glad to have the help. In 2004, I joined the staff of Orchard Group and uh, became president of Orchard Group in uh, 2009. Uh, so this is what I've been doing really my whole ministry career, is helping uh, leaders start churches. It's what I love to do. Uh, Orchard Group's history is, uh, was started in 1948 and born in and around New York City. So almost all of our work uh, early on was in Manhattan and Brooklyn, Long Island, New Jersey, uh, all of Metro New York for decades. When I joined the staff with Orchard Group and became president, we started a shift uh, in thinking about the area where we would work and not thinking about ourselves geographically, but thinking demographically instead. And so we were asking the question, what are the places in the U.S. or even internationally that are most like New York City? Um, places that have population density, ethnic diversity, income disparity, and spiritual difficulty. And since that time in 2010, we've pivoted from thinking geographically to demographically. We've been planting churches in cities all across the U.S. and even a little bit internationally. And we love getting to help leaders reach their full potential so that they can reach their communities with the good news of Jesus. Yeah, I remember, I'm a huge fan of Orchard personally. I remember when we were navigating the planting process for Mission in Ventura, uh, what I knew of Orchard was that they were primarily Northeast and New York focused. And so uh, we had some mutual friends and even had gone to school in an overlapping time together. And I was like, we were asking anybody for help. So I remember TD, one of our staff members was like, just to try to give you a call to say like, what advice would you give? We were looking for any advice we could get. And that was right at the time that you had taken over being the president. And you're like, that's ah, interesting timing because we've just started thinking about expanding our view outside of the Northeast. And so it was a privilege of our lives. We were so nervous and scared to be a part of Orchard. I was so excited to join it. So it was, it was, it's been a, it was a great journey for us, for sure, to be a part of that. So as we're trying to help planters and think through like the journey that they're in and trying to learn from everything that that you know and that you've helped planters with and that we've watched kind of go on. And we've been talking a little bit about the, the, the how, the who, the when, the where. Like, so we want to focus a little bit on the where. And I feel like you're such a great person to be an asset for that. So if you're thinking, as you're thinking through 
um, when you're looking at the landscape of church planting, how are you helping figure out those cities? I know that you just kind of said four things, but how are you helping figure out, like, are you looking for planters? Are you looking for cities? Are you looking for some combination of that? How do you think about the, the planting journey as an organization on the where? Well, I don't want to back up to things you guys have already discussed, but I would say you can't really answer the where question until you start with the why and the what question. So maybe this is recapping things you guys have already talked about, but I'm going to, I'm going to start, start there and catch please, up. Please, please, please. Uh, the, the, the first question, the why am I planting a church? And I'm not talking about organizationally. I'm talking about as a planter, if you're asking yourself the question, why am I planting a church? Uh, there could be a ton of reasons why you're planting a church. Uh, you could be planting a church because you have a sending church that's sending you out with people, and that's going to affect the where answer. Uh, you could uh, be planting a church because you're splitting a church and you're taking a bunch of people with you. I don't think you should do that, but that could be why you're planting a church. Uh, you could be planting a church because you don't have a job and you need a job. Not a good reason, but it could be one of the reasons why a person. I, I think the best reason is we're planting a church to reach people who aren't being reached in a particular community. And so the why question informs where. Um, I also think the what question informs the where. Like what kind of church are you called to plant? Um, there are some people who feel called to plant a church that's more incarnational uh, in its nature. Uh, people that plant house churches. There's people that might be planting a church that's a business as ministry combo with a, a new church that's being started up. I have an organization. We have an organizational bias with Orchard Group, and I have a personal bias for churches that lead with their Sunday gathering as the primary front door for most people uh, to come in. But again, the the what kind of church am I planting question informs where to some degree. So Brent, let me ask you the tension between, like as an organization, you probably have, I would assume you have like cities that are like in your dream list that you'd love to get, get a church started or planted because of the difficult location or the density. But then you also have planters that are coming into your organization that may not have a place to go yet, or they have a place that's not one of those dream cities. So how do you navigate that that when you're figuring out the where with planters and orchard group and church plants and all that stuff? Sure. I mean, that, that's kind of the art of what we're trying to help planters navigate and the overall mission that we feel like we have as an organization. And we don't want to force the wrong person into a particular place. So uh, a lot of times we'll have a planter who will come to us and they know they want to plant a church, but they don't know where. And we've done this in a few cases with people who we explored some cities on the East Coast, New York City and Boston, and they ended up planting in Baltimore. Um, we've had other people that were looking at West Coast locations, and we made a recommendation of a handful of places that they might want to consider, and they've ended up landing uh, in one of those. We're trying to combine planters with the right location where we feel like they're going to be the most successful. So you know, again, back to the why and the what question, um, not everybody's called the plant church. It's already difficult. It's also exceedingly difficult if you're planting a cross-cultural church. There are people who are called to that, but that might be a more narrow slice. So lots of times we're looking for the places where the planter is most likely connect, going to connect with the kind of people 
who are living in that environment. It might be because they either grew up there, they're from the area, or they're coming from a very similar cultural context into that environment. Um, sometimes we tell planters, like, you either need to feel an intense call to a particular place, or you need to pick a place that you feel like your family is going to love and you're going to thrive there. Because inevitably, two, three, four years in, you're going to come to a point where you might feel like quitting. And the thing that will sustain you is we feel called to this place. God made it very clear that this is where we're supposed to be. Or if you don't have that, you at least want to fall back on, we love this place. We love these people. These are our people. Like We don't want to go anywhere else. Even though it's hard right now, we're going to keep going. So we're trying to get to a place where planters either sense that call or they have that kind of passion for the particular place where they're going to plant. Man, I, I love that so much, Brent. And I, uh, I'm going to throw you a curveball here because we didn't talk about this, but I've heard you talk about this phrase so much. Uh, when you are processing, and I think it'd be helpful for planters to have their own self-awareness around this, like cultural agility is a phrase that I've heard you use. Mm-hmm. Like does a planting yes. couple or a planting team, are they able to go into a place and adapt to that culture or, or do they have a low cultural agility? So they may need to stay in a culture where they like grew up and know the best. So can you talk a little bit about, about how you navigate that? Sure. Some environments are more monocultural. Like there, there aren't a lot of differences with ethnicity, socioeconomic realities, education, types of work that people do. But the more toward a city that you move, the, the, the higher the density, diversity, disparity, the more navigation a person is, ha- is required to make, even moment to moment within a particular day. Like the kinds of people that they're going to be interacting with might shift pretty radically from one interaction to the next. Uh, that's, again, in a small town, that's not as true. You get in a major city and the person needs to be able to move and navigate, communicate effectively across a number of different cultural uh, people groups that they're going to encounter. So we're assessing the planter couple or team for that skill set based on their past history. And if somebody doesn't have that as a proven part of their background, we're probably going to nudge them toward a place that's more monocultural. That's that's so helpful. And sometimes hard to see in yourself. So it's helpful to have some outside voices that can maybe help you understand if that would be a something that would be a gift or a skill set or something that would need to maybe lo- help you locate the where in that. So when you talk about the four things, I want to go back to those and I'm, I'm going to get them all wrong, but it was the income disparity, cultural diversity, population density, and I'm missing one. So uh, would you talk about how you spiritual with- difficulty? Yeah. Spiritual difficulty. I should have gotten that one. So that was Ventura's calling card right there. So uh, how would you, how would you like, where did you come up with those and how do you help a planter process through that in the where conversation? Yeah. I mean, it, it grew out of our history as an organization being born in and out of New York city and saying, what are the characteristics that New York city has in common with other places? Uh, Part of this is like, if you think geographically, New York City has less in common culturally with someplace like Poughkeepsie, New York, or Western New York State, uh, than it might have in common with a place like Chicago or Seattle or Miami. And so we were trying to figure out what are those characteristics that those places share in common that make them more alike than, uh, than they are dissimilar. And so that's how we got to population density, ethnic diversity, Income disparity, disparity, and spiritual difficulty. 
Um, again, I, we don't want to force a planter to use that grid as their determining factor for where they're going to plant. But whenever we're pairing up with a planter that we want to work with, we want to know that those things are going to be uh, critical filters they're going to use when they consider where they're going to plant. Man, that's so good. Um, I'm going to move a little bit. So let's say now we've got we've got the where and we've got the who, and we're assuming what we've been talking about on this. That we're assuming the why and the motive behind it is exactly what you said. So, but then a, a planter let's goes into a city, and a city is big and diverse. How, and how do you navigate um, the where? Not even the where of the city, but the where in the city uh, they would want to have like a like a, a a base camp, for lack of a better term, where they should land or where they should go in a city. Do you have any thoughts about how to help us figure out the where within the where? Great question. And I think it's a really important one for sure. Uh, first thing I would say is within a city, uh, particular neighborhoods or in a suburban context, you have different suburbs where there's different factors. But anytime you have new residents coming in, whether that's because there's new development happening or whether it's like a turnover in the nature of that community. Um, anytime you have new people coming in, you have a lot more receptivity for planting a new church than you would in a more static community where everybody, everything is fixed and there's not a lot of turnover. Uh, and the reason for that is just purely sociological. People are more open to new relationships when they're new in a community than they are when they've been there for a long time. So I'm going to tell that planter, I would be looking for the places where there's new development, suburb that's booming, or if it's a city, it's a neighborhood that is in transition. There's old, people, older residents moving out, newer residents moving in, because you just, for purely uh, sociological reasons, you have more receptivity in those places. I also think you have to know the gravitational center of the place where you're planting. So I'll use this as an example. When we planted in the Boston area, we planted... Uh, on the second ring around the city. So there's there's the inner ring and then there's a secondary ring. And we knew that by planting there, we were going to reach people east and west of us and we could reach people north of us because we were on the north side of Boston because the movement of people was funneling down toward the, the city of Boston as its hub. So naturally people moved that direction. We did not expect that people were going to come from the inner ring out to the outer ring to pick a church to go to. We had a few of those people, but the gravitational pull meant that by putting ourselves where we did, we were inadvertently also selecting where people might be drawn to us from if they didn't live in that same community. Uh, I'd use the same illustration in New York City. We lived on the Upper East Side for eight years in Manhattan, and we were at 86th Street, and we knew that if you were at 86th Street, people above you on the subway line, they, they came down that direction because it was headed toward, you know, uh, Midtown and downtown uh, Manhattan. But people weren't likely or were far less likely to move up that subway line to get to that neighborhood if they were looking at a place where they would consider going to church. So you just need to know, like, what's the natural gravitational pull in your community? Like, I, I could talk some about where we live, Ventura and Oxnard and Santa Paula and Ojai. There, you know, there's different communities around Ventura, but culturally, Ventura is a bit like a hub where lots of people come there for various reasons. It's not that people won't go to those other communities, but there is a center, a gravitational center to a place. So I just think you have to assess that when you're thinking. Uh, it's unrealistic, maybe, to think, I'm going to plant in a part of this city 
and expect people to move in a direction that isn't the natural gravitational pull of the place. And what would be, I love that. And I think that's so smart and planters listen up, but how, like if you were just coaching somebody up, like how do they figure that out? Like, what would you do if somebody didn't know the city as well? And part of that's exegeting the city and knowing your yeah. place and learning it. But like, where would you, what would you look at first? Just you've well, done it a bunch. Yeah. I mean, you know, for, with Orchard Group, you know, a lot of times if you have somebody moving into a place that they're unfamiliar with, it's, it's totally different when we're planting in New York with New Yorkers, they know that. Like, you know, you just already, you intuitively know those things. Uh, but if you're moving into a new place, this is why I like to encourage planters, don't buy something to live in the first year, rent. You, you, you and Jody did that. I think it was really smart, you know, uh, for a, a bunch of reasons, I mean, lots of factors. But um, you, you learn the place by living there, by seeing how people move, by interviewing people, asking questions. Do you go here? Do you go there? Where do people like to go? Um, and sometimes if you've settled too quickly on the neighborhood or the, the place in your city where you want to plant and you choose to live there permanently with buying a house, uh, you, you may you may regret the decision later uh, and wish that you had asked more questions before you settled on a place. Yeah, man, I, I love that. That's so wise. I, I would recommend the same thing. So now let's go to the physical church building of the where. And so um, how do you help uh, uh, people process or planters process like, like wh- how to, where to plant? And, you know, some, some planters, we want to have a building so fast and we think the first thing we need to do is get a sign up somewhere because that tells people where we are. And, or, you know, do you want to, do you prefer like just, like renting something, using it, learning the city. And then if the God opens up a door for facility later, like I know you've seen the whole spectrum with Orchard Group. So help a, help a planter trying to navigate that tension out of like, where should we go in the city? We think we know the area, but we don't have a building there. So where should we go? You know, what should we use? Yeah. And we've had a handful of uh, scenarios where churches, before they even launch, are given a church building by a church that couldn't make it, is shutting down, whatever. So in those cases, the decision's already made for you. And I rarely would I tell a planter, turn that down. I would say, take that deal. Um, I get so mad at planters that are like, yeah, we just we just got a building handed to us. Yeah, I'm like, that yeah. doesn't happen. I hope it happens yeah. more, but that's amazing. It's, yes. Yeah, it, it is. It can be really good. comes with its own challenges. Um, but if you don't have that and you're just starting from scratch, you're thinking about all the different places where you could, a Sunday-only facility, maybe a place that you could rent 24-7, you know, all the different options that you're looking at. I have really strong feelings about this. I feel like the order you need to consider when you're looking at one location versus another, it goes like this. Is it visible? Like, do people know where it is? When I say, we're, we're, we're going to start our church here, everyone in that community says, I know right where you're talking about. Um, the second one is, is it accessible? How easy is it to get to? Like, is it easy access off the freeway? Uh, or if you're in the city, is it on a major subway line? Uh, how close is it to a subway stop? Is it walkable? Is it easy to get there? Um, so is it visible? Is it accessible? The third thing I think just is, is it functional? Like practically speaking, can we do with this space what we need to do? Like we want, you know, to seat 300 people in the auditorium when we're starting and we want to have kids classes through fifth grade and we want to have a welcome area. And so you have to ask practically speaking functional, uh, is is it functional? Uh, The fourth factor to me is vibe or atmosphere. Uh, You know, is it giving the impression that we want to give? 
And before I talk about the last factor, let me tell you why I think this is so important. If you think about the order of things, when you're inviting a friend who doesn't go to church to come to your church and they say, well, where do you meet? The first thing you say is we meet at the movie theater. They're like, I know right where it is. That's easy for me to get to. Then they show up. Practically speaking, are there signs that make it really clear for this person who's uncomfortable to see clearly where they go, where their kids go, where they get the coffee, all that. And then the last thing, they sit down in the room and then they're asking the question, what kind of vibe does this have? I mean, they're, they're picking up on an atmosphere kind of question. But then the last category that I would say, the fifth one is budget, like how much, how expensive it is. And I would just say this, if it is visible, accessible, functional, has the right atmosphere, then you might need to raise your budget so you can get that place because it's going to be worth it. So the problem is too many planters do this backwards. They start with their budget. They predetermine like, you know, we don't have a whole lot of money to spend. So we're looking for someplace and it's got to fit this budget. And then they think we want it to be cool. We want it to be, have the right vibe. We want it to have the right atmosphere, like give the signals that we're wanting to send. But they don't think through the, those other components. You know, is it visible? Is it functional? And, you know, is it accessible? And so it doesn't work well with the order that needs to work when you're inviting somebody to church for the first time and they're already uncomfortable, but they're willing to consider it. And so they ask you the question, they're like, where where do you meet? And you tell them and they're like, I know right where that is. That's easy to get to. Um, They show up on Sunday and so it's really clear to them, like the functionality of the space works. They can see where they're checking their kids in, where they're going to get their coffee, where they're going to walk into the, the worship area. And then it's when they sit down in the seat is the first time that they're going to ask the question about like the atmosphere or the vibe. And, you know, if you get this backwards, you end up with a place that may have the feel that you want it to have, and it might fit your budget. But in terms of your mission for why you're there to plant this church in the first place, it doesn't check the first three boxes and it's not going to work. Man, planters, this is so clutch and so clear and so right. So, man, walk through the, is it visible? Do people yeah. know it? So, like when you talk about it? it yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Visible. By that, I mean, people know where it is. Accessible, yeah. functional. Then you can ask the vibe or atmosphere question. And then lastly, budget. And again, if you find a place that has all of those other things perfectly, then exceed your budget. Figure out, raise more money. Uh, it'll be worth it. Absolutely will. And the building's tool, the space is a tool, but make sure it functions well, exactly like what Brent's saying would be my advice to planters as you're processing. And so, Brent, help us in, as you're navigating what you see in the where conversation, um, how, how often or what percentage of plants that you work with, they change locations within the first two to three years. So like sometimes planters don't realize that it may be part of that journey. Is that is that something that happens or maybe five years? Yeah. What's that What's that percentage like in your mind? It would be hard for me to say percentage-wise. I, I should know a better answer to that question. But I think it's more likely than not that the place that you start is not the place that you're going to be when you're at year three or four. Um, I've seen a lot of churches that have moved multiple times and they've done it very effectively. Probably the more city you are, the more likely it is that you're going to have to meet uh, move and some of that is just the, the lack of available large spaces in really dense cities. You can't afford the ones that seat 300 to start. So you're going to have to start 
with 150. And then once you get those people, now you can afford the one that you would need to reach a larger group. So you're going to have to probably move a little more, more frequently. Uh, but that's not always true. We have really healthy churches, as you know, uh, in Manhattan that have been in the same school their entire time and make it work really, really well. So, um, but, but moving is not, uh, it doesn't have to be a threat. And I think a lot of planters are really afraid that by moving, they're going to lose people and they're going to lose momentum. Uh, but I've seen people, if it's done well, you can, it can catapult you. Um, even if it's a, a somewhat lateral move, you take people with you who already knew where you were, and now you're going to maybe reach some new people that you wouldn't have reached otherwise because now they drive by your sign or they see where you are on Sunday morning or they wonder what's going on. So, Right. I don't think you should just move to move, no. you know, recreationally. Uh, but if, if it has to happen, move with purpose. And it can be an opportunity to almost relaunch in some people's mind because as new people are moving in, they're looking for new. And you just happen to be moving to a new location with new service times or a new series starting. And they're like, maybe we ought to check that out. Yeah. would be a good way to go about it. Well, the good thing is the most gifted planters that we're working with, and this is true for most of them, is one of their greatest strengths is communication and how you communicate the reasons behind your move affect how the people that are part of your church already are going to receive it. And it's going to affect how people who you're going to now reach in the new place are going to be receiving it as well. So communication is key. Yeah. Man, Brent, this has been so helpful. Uh, and I could sit and talk to you forever. We actually talk recreationally about this stuff because we both love church plants and church planters. So um, let me just, is there any, it doesn't have to be on the where or location, but you love church planting. You love church planters. Um, is there any encouragement that you would give to the next generation of planters, whether it people that are in process or thinking about or praying about, or maybe they are just in a year one to five, any encouragement that you'd give, uh, just from your seat, um, and what you see that would be helpful for planters to hear? Yeah, I'll probably say two things. Um, I've rarely, we've worked with hundreds of church plants directly and indirectly. And I've rarely seen a church plant that by year three or four hasn't gone through some kind of a semi-serious crisis of some kind. Um, You get kicked out of your building, you lose some of your key donors, uh, a staff member uh, makes a ridiculous alleg- allegation and, you know, or maybe, maybe makes a legitimate one. Like there's all kinds of like really troubling things that can happen often in the first three or four years. And I just think perseverance is an underrated characteristic of people who succeed. Um, just not quitting when you really feel like quitting. And so before you step into this, I think it's good to ask yourself, have I proven that when things get hard, I won't just leave uh, or run away or, you know, uh, avoid responsibility or whatever? How do I handle things when they go poorly and I need to respond the right way? So perseverance is like, just stay, stay with it. So the second thing is really closely related. And I don't think a lot of planters when they're getting started are thinking about the 30 year picture and they can't, it's not realistic to be thinking 30 years out, even though you maybe have dreams of what that would be. The development of the leaders who will serve as the overseers of this church, shoulder to shoulder with you for the long haul, or maybe even when, and if you eventually leave as the lead pastor and somebody else is coming in is such a critical factor to its like longevity and health. And so 
you've got tons to do in years one, two, three, four about reaching people, reaching your community, thinking about how you're connecting, uh, your message planning, your worship team. You've got so many things to worry about. But the sooner you start building relationships with the kind of leaders who can serve in that overseer role, you know, whether you call it an elder or whether they're a pastor, there's all kinds of terminology, but like that overseer role, um, the sooner you start developing those people and leaning into them, the easier it will be for you to persevere through the hard times because now you've invested in those relationships that are going to help the church thrive, not just under your leadership, but maybe even eventually after you're gone. So that's another thing I would I would want planters to know going in that is a more valuable contribution they'll make to their new church than they realize. Man, Brent, there's so much wisdom in this. Planters, people that love planters, go back and listen to this several times over. Um, I know your heart for Orchard Group. There are a lot of great church planting organizations, so I'm proud to be part of Orchard Group and two thumbs up for it. And this is one of the reasons why on this podcast we say you need to find a sending network or a sending body that will help you because there are people that understand the landscape and can help you go further faster. So join Link Arms with organizations. There's great ones out there. If you need any help, we can help you find those. But planters, uh, yeah, build that grit, build that perseverance, focus on the why, the who's going with you, and the where always matters. So thanks, Brent, so much. Uh, great for you, man. Glad to be here. Glad to be a part of it. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, Mike.